Hello everybody, it is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. Hey friends, before I start the episode, I wanted to let you all know that in a few days on June 30th, I'll be hosting a free webinar. This webinar is going to teach you how somatic therapy and nutrition can help to heal stress and trauma. I'm going to introduce you to my team, and I'll also show you how my six-week course works if you want to go deeper into the work. If you want to sign up for this, just go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click on the course, and you'll see a little link that says free webinar. Click on that, and I'll see you on the 30th. On today's episode, I invite my team, Camille and Marika, to talk about what it's like to do trauma-informed work. Again, I see everything as interconnected. So for me, that is just that that's just another construct. I don't see money as any different than time or race or sexual orientation or gender. Yes. These are constructs that we've created that aren't really real. Yet the reality is they have a real impact on us. So would I like is time a construct? Absolutely. But we also needed to say, okay, we're going to start recording our podcast at 2.30. So we had to leverage it. So that's how it, it settles it in my body. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast. I'm your host, Luis Mujica. I was sick and depressed until I discovered that I could make music. And then my whole life transformed because I began learning how to listen more deeply. Listen to life, to the people around me, and to my body. And that's when I realized that the body speaks through sensations, and learning this new language meant relearning my body and mind. 
I soon healed myself of many chronic conditions and then began teaching others how to do so as well. Holistic Life Navigation combines nutrition, self-inquiry, and somatic experiencing to help you release stress and trauma just by listening to your own body. This podcast serves as a place to share my experiences as well as the experiences of many others who have healed and are healing through unique, unorthodox, and unusual ways. Your time to learn begins now. I can't believe that this is my 100th episode. It's it's pretty cool because when I started this podcast, I you know, I did it just to create a free resource for people. I thought maybe I would do like 10 or 20 episodes over the course of a year. And then I just I just loved doing them so much and I loved having the excuse to reach out to really interesting people and invite them on my show. And uh I think what comes up for me is, you know, these these podcasts uh, have brought me so much, have brought me so much beauty, because so many people have come up to me uh, in the town I live in who I've never met, and they tell me these stories they go through when they listen, and when they apply the practices, and how validated they felt, and we get these letters from all around the world from people saying that they can't afford somatic therapy or there's no one near them. It's not accessible. So they they look forward to listening to this show every week so they can learn more and do more with their bodies. And that was the exact purpose of creating this podcast for me. And I've been um I've been approached by by a bunch of people to sponsor their I guess to be sponsored is the appropriate way to say it. Uh you know, have an ad about their product and they help me pay for the podcast. And a few times I really considered it, uh, but I'm still not doing that because I love that this this podcast and these episodes are ad-free, you know, besides talking about my own offerings, which help pay for this podcast. But I've I've paid for this podcast out of my own pocket since episode one. So if you're listening to this and you want to help me celebrate the 100th episode, please share it and like it and review it. The more likes and reviews a podcast gets, the more it shows up in people's feed when they search for things like trauma healing or somatic therapy. And the more people see this, the more people take my course, and then I can keep funding this myself without having to get sponsorship. So I just wanted to kind of say thank you to all of you who have listened and followed and um, sent their beautiful experiences or, or came up and told me, um, if you ever see me in public, I, I never mind getting a hug or saying hello. I am always so touched by people's experiences. I find it so brave when you're all alone in your trauma and you're able to listen to something and apply it and actually move through it yourself. It's it's pretty amazing. So I'm always floored by that. This episode is so fun for me because I welcome Marika Malaya and Camille Leek. These two women are the foundation of holistic life navigation. They are the bones because they keep this um, being alive and well by helping me build my capacity to do what I do best, which is write and teach and design classes and design webinars and design memberships. And 
Marika came on right before the pandemic as my assistant just to help me with emails and scheduling before I had uh, an online presence of any kind. And her support quickly propelled me and this work into the world because I suddenly had more time to write publicly and to reach out to people and to offer things. And she became, she, be, she began assisting me with webinars, assisting me with the course, and she really motivated me and um, gently nudged me to create the membership that we now have. So I, I couldn't, I mean, it wouldn't even be what it is now without Marika. And then we found Camille and she found us and she came on and has become our community member, uh, community manager. So she she takes care of the podcasts. She takes care of um, the students when they come into the circle space. She answers their questions. She assists live in the class. And she's a training somatic therapist. She's an SEP in training. So she actually offers um, one-on-one 30-minute sessions to students who want to practice the work as they're taking the six-week course. So this support group I have and the support group that my students have and my clients have through Camille and Marika is just amazing. It's unparalleled and I love it. So I I wanted to start having them on the podcast more regularly because we have these really fun, funny conversations. We have a great friendship vibe and I thought it'd be fun to learn this somatic work through relational experiences by listening to conversation by listening to people kind of laughing and having fun friendships together, which I think we do in a lot of these episodes with guests. They're always so gooey and lovey, and I I enjoy everyone that's come on. They all feel like a friend. And I'm also craving something more casual. So this is the first episode with all of us as a team talking, and we really just talk about what it's like to run this business together and what it's like to... um, how it's changing us, you know, how it's transforming our minds and bodies to facilitate other people in trauma healing. And we also get into some funny, strange places, uh, like when I became a real estate agent (laughs) and how I had to cheat on my exam to pass the test, um, as well as how my wife likes to break the matrix with a very, um, specific question that she asks, uh, or she, or a specific response she answers to a question when cashiers ask her something. So I'm being very cryptic because I want you to listen to the episode. So let's just dive in, shall we? So I want to welcome my friend, Marika Malaya and Camille Leek. Hi, you two. Hello. So uh, I'm so I'm so excited for this. This is why I'm excited for this episode. I'm excited for this episode because it gets lonely talking to your own voice and hearing your own voice about trauma. And, you know, I love it. Like, I love doing the navigating episodes. I love having like an expert or a guest on. And I'm so relational and this work is so relational that it's more fun for me to like, let's just talk. Let's like be casual and professional and have fun, like learn through the art of conversation. So uh, I'm excited just to have you two here because all three of us are at the helm of HLN. And not everyone knows that. Not everyone has really got to meet you two through that that lens exactly. Like we got to know a bit about you a few episodes ago, Camille, like your life and what brought you to this work. But it's exciting like to have my team here. Like this is the team that runs HLN. So all of you who listen to the podcast, all of you that take the course when you write emails, like 
it's us. <laughs> so I'm just excited for them to get to feel the spirit of us together because we have a pretty good vibe. Um, so I, I kind of like want to start. Well, first of all, what are you what are you thinking? What's on your minds? Let's start there. Hi, I guess, I guess that's what's on my mind. And um, yeah, I, I'm digging the team too. It's, it's it's been really nice to 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 be a part of the team. It's um, it's been what like five months, four months, and mm-hmm. it's uh, been five an incredible months, experience. Yeah. Yeah, Marika, how long have you been with me? Um, the September before the pandemic, which oh was like, I don't know, 17 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, it's been 2019. Wow, it's incredible. So we've been together for almost almost three years. Three years. Wow. So Marika, so kind of, I'll tell a story about why you know Marika joined the team. So yeah. I was working private practice full time, uh, beyond full time. It was really kind of crazy. Um, it was like I, well, I was like six days a week sometimes. I think. And the days were like 10 hour days. And I was just like, I kind of decided I'm going to work these days. Anyone that can fit in these days are going to fit in. Some people won't pay any money if they can't afford it. Some people will pay the biggest fees and people will pay sliding scale. They were just all over the place because I, I couldn't say no to people. And then I started getting good at saying no. And then right when I got really good at saying no, I'm like, maybe I earned the the the, the place to not pay someone to say no. <laughs> So I'm like, Marika, I'm going to start paying you to say no for me and then like get the scheduling under under way. And so you came on just for a couple hours a week just to help, you know, take my mind off of emails. It was like 40 emails a day. That's what all I remember. Right. Mm-hmm. What, was, what, what was it like? Can you remember? Well, I also, you know, we'd worked together a couple of years prior as well. Right. Because right. Was, I was helping with um, your social media. Uh, with the music, yeah, you music. An album coming out, yeah. And so I remember you called and asked, "Hey, you know a lot of people. Do you know anyone who could be my assistant?" And I was sort of, I don't know, I had a few clients at that point, and so I was like, "Sure, I'll just." What about me? <laughs> <laughs> Which I have to say, most of my really cool like experiences in life have come from me going, "What about me? Mm. <laughs> what about me? What if, what, what if you hired me or whatever? You know that type mm-hmm. of thing." So. Yeah. And then after that, I remember, yeah, I remember you said it'll probably be two hours a week, which is when I was introduced to how you see time. Camille's, Camille's laughing. You can't see her, but she <laughs> laughed right away. I have mm-hmm. no concept of time. Marika knows this better than any, not as much as my wife. After my wife, you know that the most. <laughs> and also I know if you're like, hey, I want to do this thing sometime in the next four months, the next day I will wake up and he will have already sent out an email and told people that he's <laughs> <laughs> I want to do this yesterday. <laughs> so Marika's a Taurus, and and part of her vibe that really helps is she moves slowly with like what what would we say like I don't want to say pulling the trigger. That's such a term. No. Try not to use it anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's like right. It's like right there, but yeah. but it's like you know you you when we have to like do something, you're like I'm gonna do this slowly. And it's really worked out for me because at first it was very triggering. You know, we talked about, I was like, now, what do you mean slowly? Let's do it now. But then I'm such a flight responder. But then I was like, this is awesome because by the time I actually decided to not do what I told her I wanted to do, she hasn't sent the email. Exactly. (laughs) 
every time. <laughs> it's just happened the other day. So, you know, you've really helped me in that way. Just like slow it down. But I, but I love that it. It's, it sounds like I'm doing something really like conscious, but really your flight <laughs> met, met my freeze. <laughs> and it's no true. one is a match for my freeze. <laughs> Oh my God. No, it's amazing. But I needed, I need some freeze in my life. So that mm-hmm. that's, has been very helpful, but yeah, two hours a week. That's amazing. And yeah. yeah, it ended up being, I mean, more than that, but, but also back then, you know, I think you've done the course once and I think there were 30 people in it. 19. You know? Oh, 19, 19. Right. And then you went up, it was like 30, 50, something like that. So yeah. yeah. And, and it's been a really quick, I do sometimes wonder what it would have been like if it would have been different. You know, if we hadn't had so many people at home, you know, in the last few years, sort of uh, going through collecto trauma. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that was the big thing. Because I remember when I did that first 19 person course, I was like, it was so amazing. But I was also like really burnt out because mm-hmm. it was just me like holding 19 people. It was only four weeks. It's the first course I ever taught. I did it through like the Zoom webinar so you couldn't uh-huh. see individual faces. So it was just me. So I didn't know how people were feeling. It was very detached compared to, I always tell everyone from that first course, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can always come back and take, <laughs> if any of you were listening to this, who were in that first course, write to Camille or Marika. We will get you in the next one for free. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I apologize. Because it's like, it is not what, it, I mean, it has turned into like the most amazing experience. It, it was, they said it was great, but compared to what yeah. it's like now, it's and like. I, I came in when it, there was four weeks and then you pushed to five then it was and five then, yep and that was like maybe around 100 you know maybe there's yeah. closer to 100 people and then it was like wait no it needs to be six <laughs> it needs to be six yeah and then it went up to like 300 people and then we were just right like, i know and, and marika was emailing every single person out of 300 people every single week the pdfs audio exercises any answering all the i mean think about camille like what you see right on slack she was literally responding to every person out of 300. It was so intense. We were like so blown out at the end of that. Yeah, and here, here's my opportunity to say also, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone I didn't get to or get back to, like that was a very, I lived and breathed email. I still kind of do, but it's different now. So Different now. It's not as like time, it's time sensitive. Yeah, I'm not doing email in my sleep anymore. <laughs> That's right. Well, that's what, you know, that's where enter Camille, like, cause I'm always talking about capacity and it's been so interesting to look at my business, like as a nervous system, as a being in and of itself, like, what does my business need for support? And I didn't even say the word business until the last year or two, you know, like Marika has helped me <laughs> use these terms. I was just kind of like, oh, like my practice or my offering, whatever service. But I couldn't even um, design a course or even write Instagram feeds because I was so overwhelmed with scheduling my giant private practice. So when the moment Marika came in and was able to just do the scheduling, I didn't have to do emails anymore. It was like all this capacity to design a better course. And then Camille took the course. And then it was so funny because so any of you listening, so in our course, there's this uh, circle space. At the time, it was Slack. And people would write questions after, you know, it's like Monday through Friday support. You, you say something like, um, why are we supposed to eat beans again? And there's probably like 40 of those questions, like in one week. And so I would be going in, I would be answering every single question. So it'd be like, I'd teach the class, I'd have my full-time private practice. And then I'd be lit, uh, probably three hours a day just answering questions. 
And then Camille takes the class. And I'm, it was like week two. It was week two, actually, because I remember it was the Karen Heard questions. And I was like going on to Slack to answer. And every time I went to answer a question, Camille already answered the question with like footnotes. <laughs> yeah. And I remember Louise being like, hey, this lady's on it. So I was like, I don't know who she is. I don't know where she's from. I don't care what you did. I'm like, you are the one. <laughs> so we need your help. We need you. And I didn't even think to ask you. And then you wrote to us. You were like, you you intuit. Or no, I said to you on Slack, I was like, I need to start paying you because you're answering these questions before I can. So yeah. what, what went through your head at that point? Well, well okay. So for, for context, super Virgo. So I come into the course, like having just obsessed over, over the podcast. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> several things that guided me to, to, to take, take the course. And I'm like, I'm in it. This is going to be amazing. And so when I'm seeing these questions, I'm like, oh yeah, that's episode 47. Oh yeah. That's episode just the Virgo disc coming out. Um, and then also during this time, I'm part of the reason I wanted to take the course was I was going through the process of deciding of whether I wanted to leave corporate America. Mm. Um, so that's also going on in, in, in my body and my nervous system. And then when I see you, right. Oh my goodness, I should, I should pay you to do this. I was like, hello universe. I'm listening. Oh, um, love, that. love that. Love that. And then also during that cohort, that's when you and Marika announced that you would be establishing the membership. And so I'm thinking, they need, they don't have the capacity to do all this. They need just a little bit of help. Let me reach out. Like Marika was saying, oh, me, I could do it. Um, <laughs> so, so I reached out and said, hey, with the membership starting, um, do you need support on the team? I'd really, I, I love what you're doing. I would love to help you just amplify your message. When Marika sent me, she forwarded me the email. She's like, look at this. <laughs> and I looked at the email. I was like, wait a minute. Like, this is amazing because we do need help. Like, we need to figure out how we're going to, like, Marika and I alone with our ADHD minds, like, there's no <laughs> way we're going to be able to work with all that, like, input. And you, I don't care, it's not the Virgo thing, is I'm a Virgo too. Like, you have a very specific kind of brain that's really, like, you remember things. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't remember my own podcast. Like, when someone says, like, why beans? I'm like... Hmm, why beans? I have to like go on and find it. So, you know, when I saw you doing that and then like, I got a sense of your energy in the course. And then it was that one session. Um, Cause Marika and I talked about it afterwards where we were talking about attunement mm. and we were talking about triggers and we were sp someone specifically, someone had asked the question about racial violence and about uh, racial triggers and about um, uh, racialized trauma and I was doing my best to answer those questions, you know, that it can be difficult when you're in front of a bunch of people and you, you appear a certain way. It's like, you don't know how you're going to say this, how you're going to come off. So I was just doing it from the heart. And then you gave an example of something really radical. And essentially what you were saying was like, you've come to terms with the reality, but you don't internalize the reality. And there was a state of like, well, she's not giving up. She's not denying it but she's totally attuning to her own safety inside. And I was like, that's the work that I like live and breathe and teach. So when you said that, and then we got the email, I was like, I think Camille needs to be on this team. Like there's something very special there. Uh, so that was, it was, and then you joined and then it's been like, Marika and I both had this like, oh, Okay, well, like... first he said, <laughs> yeah. what if she just worked for like three hours a week? <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and I was saying to Camille, so probably going to be. You translated? Did you translate for me? <laughs> You're my translator. <laughs> Anything he says, multiply it by th- three, three to four, and then we get closer. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. So I, I guess what I'm curious about is what has it. Well, I, I would just want to say you're all going to be hearing a lot more from us three together, you know, moving forward, like certain kind of like events and trauma topics and things that we we talk about when we're hanging out and we're having meetings anyway. And it's a it's a fun way to learn instead of just hearing the facts and just hearing the the healing. It's kind of fun to hear it through conversation. So you're going to hear more from us. Um, but I'm just curious, like as individuals right now, start with start with Marika, like what what has it been like to facilitate these workshops with me to do the webinars to answer all the emails you get some really tender emails like how has it been for you to be part of this work well I mean it's been really life-changing I think I mean maybe not well I mean I think my internal life right um and just I just remember doing the the course the first time when you know when you're like oh I'm gonna do this do you want to assist and I didn't know what that meant and I didn't know how to use Zoom <laughs> and and just mind you know very mind blowing just seeing myself in so many of the examples and seeing like oh that was a trauma response and I just thought that I was terrible at that or you know that type of stuff so for me it's been life changing in just how I have a relationship with myself. You know, because there's a lot less judgment, blame, shame, like all the fun stuff, um, mostly because I have more tools, you know, and it's really changing for me as well to watch other people change, like maybe not change, but it's just so it, it really lifts me up. I, you know, I'm not on camera doing that type of stuff like the two of you are, which I think is really amazing, but it's so cool to get emails from people about how their life has been changed and now that I got to be a part of it, like, it's really cool. Mm. Um, and, you know, and seeing it sort of the, my outer life, kind of the ripples, you know, my mom just took the course and went through the ongoing circle, which was cool. Mm. And um, my husband at some point will go through it, you know, um what did you tell me that he said the other day (laughs) he was like uh like the he like he thinks he's already taken it through osmosis so which is fine it's true because you know he's my sounding board Mm. um but i think it's worked really well for us as well because i'm always the you know very sort of loud chaotic energy in our relationship and it's just been so calm Mm. (laughs) i think it probably even sort of knocked him off balance because he's the calming one and now he just gets to like be you know oh wow it's gorgeous <laughs> nice yeah i mean i've just noticed how we've changed in that way where it's not like the highs lows yeah you know we've never been we've always been a really good team but um i think it's because we were good at managing me mm. <laughs> you know with yeah. yeah and and now it's like oh we don't have to do that anymore we get yeah. to just be like a team you know I love, you know, it's so beautiful to know that. And it's like, I love what you said about like watching the other people transform and shift. Because whenever, whenever someone comes on screen, they have like that epiphany. Like, I won't say what it was. We all know what happened on Monday. And Mm -hmm. it's like, and I always, what I always do is I go through the Zoom, the little blocks, and I always look for Marika. And when her screen's off, I know she's crying. (laughs) 
you know, it's because oh, like yeah. when I feel myself about the choir, I'm like, okay, I know Marika's already there. And when I yeah. see the screen off, and it always moves me just to know how like emotionally connected you are to their experiences. It's so beautiful. Well, and also I think it's just so great that they can model like, they, you know, they're modeling for us as well, just as, Absolutely. You know, as much as you are for, for them. And like, I, it's, it's inspiring because it's not like you, I take on this, like I, I take on this work I remember and then I forget. So it's so nice to continually get these reminders from people who are really into, who really want to live in a way that I want to live, you know, free and feeling good and enjoying actually life rather than being in fear of it all the time or just in reflexive mode, which I tend to be really good at. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, I I totally agree. I love that. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm curious for you, Camille, like what, what's it been like for you? Cause you were doing work. I don't think it was trauma informed. I think like you, you've always intuitively understood trauma. That's why you got this work so quick, but it was, it was different. Right. But like, I'm curious how it's impacted your work, your life. Like what's it like for you to go through these courses and be a facilitator of trauma healing now? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So prior to, to starting this work, I, I, I still am a diversity, equity and inclusion practitioner. And, um, what I have really found and what I started to find as I did that work more and more is that it was rooted in trauma. It was rooted in um, not just individual trauma, but generational trauma, community trauma. Um, And what I have found in being able to support this work on a daily basis, that this is really the underpinning, in my opinion, of real diversity, equity, and inclusion work. You really can't get to some of the other stuff where a lot of individuals and companies want to automatically go like the bias training, the microaggression training. If you haven't started with first understanding what trauma is and what it means to have a traumatized system, what it means to, to be, uh, have a a traumatizing collective experience. Um, so it's been really good for me to have the opportunity to be in space with people to do that work And then to also have the opportunity, frankly, when I'm allowed to also carry that over into my diversity, equity, and inclusion work, because I think it's incredibly, incredibly interconnected. I love that. And what's it like for you as like a a human or as a mother or like just in your nervous system to actually facilitate the trauma healing, like to be in the groups, like to do the Q&As, to hear people express like how to I'm just curious how it affects you or how you feel about it. It it the the way I can best describe it, it makes me as cliches, it gives me the warm and tingly. It's like I really love holding space for people. Even when I do diversity, equity, inclusion work, or even when I'm doing um, work for for holistic life navigation, I will get the feedback from participants like, thank you so much. This must be so hard for you. You must be exhausted. I'm thinking like, actually, no, I feel really good. It's like that other crap I have to do that I I would (laughs) love getting to take it. But holding space, yes, I could do that all day long. Talking about trauma or talking about systemic oppression, I could do that all day sign me up. Um, I actually really, really enjoy it. And um, what was been really interesting about this experience and what I've really appreciated is um, like I shared before, I was on a journey trying to decide if I want to leave corporate America and leading up to that, I kept getting the advice like, oh, you need to find a mentor in the, in the corporate space. You need to find somebody that um, y- you know you, you can mentor and they can coach you. And I was in this place where 
I'm looking around and there's nobody here that in my opinion is happy. <laughs> there's nobody here that I actually want to aspire to be like. Um, and then I happened to, to be attending a festival where, where you were presenting, Luis, and you shared a lot of great information. I was really engaged with you. And then you did this one little thing, this little bug crawled up on your hand and you looked at your hand. And he's like, oh, there's a little bug on my hand, everyone. Look at that bug. And I was like, that, that, I want to learn that. How do I get to a place where that, that is my mentor. That is my teacher. Whatever you have gone through, learned, I want to learn that. And, and it's funny because when you said, you know, Marika's helping you get comfortable with calling your practice a business. This is, that is what I wanted to learn from you. Mm -hmm. Um, Having the chance just to be in space where, yep, we are able to, to bring in money, but in a, aligned way in a in an equitable way in a way where we're not pushing ourselves past our capacity like there it's not either or which i felt for a long time that's the the dynamic people set up either you know mm-hmm. you're you're making money you're supporting yourself you have a stable income or you you have stable finances or you know you're comfortable you're happy you have freedom in your life and they can coexist and so just even have the having the opportunity to be on your team just watching you do what you do, how you navigate space and seeing that, yep, the two can coexist has been really um, nourishing for me. Mm. Oh, my heart is so open. I love hearing that. It's like so touching to the bug moment because like anyone that watches that, that was tending the roots, right? Uh-huh, yep. Anyone that watched that whole thing and that was the moment that lit them up, like that's a friend of mine. <laughs> it's like, there's no question. It's, it's just so beautiful to hear that. And, it, you know, it, I was thinking like how what Marika said at the end when she was talking about um, how this, you, every time you take the course, you get to be reminded because like you forget or you can't hold it. I feel the same way. I feel like Every time this course sells out and we have all these people come in, I'm always like shocked. You know, I really never expected it to happen. I'm not in that place where I'm like, okay, I made it. I don't believe in making it. It's just kind of like, I don't know what's going to happen next. But every time people come, I just realize, oh, okay, they're showing me that I have to keep practicing. Like until I have to stop practicing this, I'm going to have to keep teaching this course because every time I learn it differently through everyone's experiences and their shares. And, and even what you said, Camille, like learning how to, for me to build the capacity to receive money was the hardest thing in my mm-hmm. entire adult life. Like mm-hmm. so difficult that at one point I was making almost no money because I wouldn't charge anybody. I, I couldn't. And then I burn out. And so I was noticing this interesting um, kind of like awareness of money as a being, you know, and like how, you know, I think of like James Olivia when they came into our our membership, and they were talking about that specific thing of value and how we're born into a culture that has a collective value that we don't identify with, yet it affects us. Mm -hmm. That way of seeing it really brought peace to me with money. Because if everyone said tomorrow, like, let's drop it, I'd be like, fine, I have no connection to it. But with the actual like reality of what I need in life and, and that money gets me there, I'm like, Okay, I'll I'll play you know I'll play the money game without identifying with it, and it feels clean because it's it's a game that I'm playing. I'm just curious where you two go with that. Like, what's your experiences around that? Oh, oh yeah, and, and again, I see everything is interconnected. So for me, that is just that that's just another construct. I don't see money as any different than time or race or sexual orientation or gender. Yes. These are constructs that we've created that aren't really real. 
Yet the reality is they have a real impact on us. So would I like, is time a construct? Absolutely. But we also needed to say, okay, we're going to start recording our podcast at 2.30. So we had to leverage it. So that's how it it settles it in my body. Yeah. Well, you, Marika? I'm the same as you. I have have a giant hole in my pocket anytime I have money. (laughs) That's been me since I was little. You know what I mean? But I also felt like that's something that changed for me working with us working together because um, I finally... I think I felt like it was overcoupled with I don't have a future. Mm. And like, that's not true for me anymore. So it's interesting to like watch myself, like get money. What do I do with it? Am Mm. am I saving it now? Like, you know, things I didn't usually do before because it was like, well, we're living in every moment because who knows what, Mm. but there is a way to live in the moment and also prepare for the future. I think, you know, Mm. not, it doesn't have to be the far off future, but like just, you know, I'm, it's been an interesting um, lens to look at like how I, how I am with other things, mm-hmm. you know, as well. Cause yeah, money's like an, it's a very emotional and uncomfortable for a lot of people and, but they don't know that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so, and I, I didn't know that for a long time, but I, but I just knew I didn't want it. I, I needed it, but I didn't want it. <laughs> you know, does that make sense? Oh my gosh. I mean, I think what really hit, what really like, what recently landed in me, I would say two years ago was the word privilege, not the way we're thinking of it, like politically, it could could be there too. But I was thinking of like, I was like, okay, if I made, if I made skateboards, right, I wouldn't mind charging people for a skateboard, like, because it's like a privilege, you don't need it, it's a privilege. And then, and that was, was so hard for me about being a therapist and a trauma therapist, like, how do I say no to knowing I can help this person like with their diabetes. Like, how do I say no to that? Like as a nutritionist as well, it, it was so difficult, but then what really shifted for me. I was like, but them being with me for an hour is a privilege. You know, it's like, just because I exist and I have this knowledge doesn't mean that everyone deserves to have it every second. It's still my body that has to go through giving that knowledge and like sitting with the person and and that really like the decolonial work I've been doing, it, that's what really became clear because I was thinking of um, collective, more collective cultures. We think of like tribal cultures. It's not an individual based system. It's like you process with the community. You know, maybe the shaman takes you for a couple minutes, maybe for a weekend, but it's not like every Friday at one, you have an hour with the shaman, no matter what, like that's a privileged, like Western modern concept. Right. And and that really like blew my mind when I fell into that, how new that was. I was like, oh, it is a privilege to sit with someone every week and just say whatever you want to them. And they keep your secrets and they help you and they don't judge you. Like, that's a pretty amazing experience. Yeah. So that really helped me be like, let's do these courses and podcasts and make that really accessible, like collective healing. And the individual work is going to be a privilege. I'll charge more for it. I'll do it less. Like that felt really settled. If you want to take this work deeper into your lives, I strongly recommend joining my next six-week course. It begins on Monday, July 25th. There are three sessions every week for six weeks, and they're all live. Everyone gets a replay, and you learn how to heal stress and trauma through nutrition, herbalism, somatic experiencing, and self-inquiry. 
We meet three times a week for the six weeks, all the meetings are live, and everyone gets a replay. So even if you can't make it live, you'll still be able to watch and review. You'll have support Monday through Friday from me and my staff as you navigate the emotions and physical sensations that come up through this work. You'll even have options for one-on-one -on -one support. And we have a global community of students participating in this who will also be supporting you on our private online space called Circle. For more information on this course, visit holisticlifenavigation.com. Registration opens on June 30th, and make sure to register for the free Q&A session on that day so you can learn about this work and have some of your questions answered. We'll see you then. I'm curious, like, I see you, Camille, like, <laughs> like where does that go for you? <laughs> so many things. Um, so, so for, for me, it, when it comes to, to money and, and charging, it is about, again, capacity. In order for me to be able to hold space for people, I'm going to have to have capacity in other parts of my life in order to, to recharge or have resourcing in money allows me to, to have that space. And so to your point, there are going to be sliding scales. So when I'm working in the corporate space, I do charge a very different amount than if I'm working with a nonprofit or a charity, but the amount that I charge a corporate organization allows me to be able to also have space to work with a nonprofit or a charity. Um, so I, I do think it's that sort of that balance and that, um, um, sort of that back and forth. It doesn't have to be this one flat thing, but recognizing that in order for me to do this work, this work that I really enjoy doing, I also have to have space for me to recover, to have resourcing. Mm. Um, I also really appreciate it with, with what both you and Marika were sharing around um, your experiences and journey with money, because through the course, I, I came to realize that I had a different experience with, with money. For, for me, I was very much overcoupled it with security and stability. And one of the most profound things I learned in the course, week one, and I thought week one, okay, this is stuff I already know. I've listened to the podcast. Nothing new is going to come out of this. Um, but week one, it became so very clear to me Um that I had never found safety in myself, in my body. It was always this outside source, predominantly money. Mm -hmm. And over the past couple of months to transition from a place of realizing that I have safety, even in the absence of money, um, has been really interesting where um, I'm not reliant or dependent on money for my safety, um, mm -hmm. but it, may, it it allows me to do things. But to know that even in the absence of money, I'll still be okay um, has just been really uh, refreshing, I think. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, I love also having <clears throat> a different, like, I think it would be very different if I was 25 or 35. You know what I mean? Like how I would look at money, how I would spend it. Thought you were now 35. <clears throat> Thought you were 35. Sure. <laughs> I'm 46. So <laughs> um uh, give or take 11 years. But yes, um my my whole I just feel like it's nice to know myself better now and also mm -hmm. to have like the tools and the things that I learned from the course and to be getting money because I think it would just still be this loop of, of having the hole in my pocket, you know, 
because now it's kind of fun being an embodied, be, being an embodied Taurus, mm. a little bit of money. Because mm. like, I still need my good skincare products. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like right. I need my right. And I also love that, you know, now I have, now I have money that now I can spend money on things like rest, you oh, know, nice. just like getting for, for us, it's, you know, finding an Airbnb somewhere on the water, you know, for a week or, yeah, which, you know, one, I couldn't super afford before. And then two, it just wasn't, that's not what I spent money on. I spent it on, you know, I love stuff and things, mm-hmm. but, um, <laughs> but I now I want that. experiences and now I want like a feeling. You know, and it's okay, nice so get that piece is really beautiful, like like spending money on an experience instead mm-hmm. of like a product. Because like when Camille was talking about like outside of herself, the safety, mm-hmm. like if you're spending money on like, I don't know, a beautiful chair, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, that's lovely. Like that can create an experience too. And I love this idea of like, how can the money create more capacity in my body? You know, not just mm-hmm. something to orient to, but like something that actually shifts something in me. Right. Right. Yeah. And rest always does that for me. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like my whole, all of my twenties, I saw, I don't know how I did it, but I lived off of like $10,000 a year. And I was like, how did I do that? Didn't you and, eat just like half a couple beans a day? <laughs> well, that's, that's part of how I did it. That's part <laughs> of how cigarettes. That's how you did it. You resourced yourself. That was my early 20s. Cigarettes. That was my early 20s. <laughs> no, it was like, it was, what I always think is a lot of people will say to me, like, Luis, you can't talk about um, nutrition. Like, it's not fair. Not everyone can afford it. And I was like, I lived off of $10,000 a year and I always ate organic because that's all I spent my money on. I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have, I didn't have cable TV. I didn't have air conditioning. Like I didn't have a car. Like I didn't have anything else. Cause what mattered the most to me was my body. So I was like, I want to feel really good. And, and if I'm at a certain like income level and I have to choose between like an iPhone plan, $120 a month or put 120 bucks a month to like the co-op, I'm like, I'm going to do the co-op. And it was so amazing. And I felt so, I've always felt alive and I've always felt rich. Like I've always felt wealthy. I've never felt like I was in a poverty level. Uh, but I'm saying that because like what you said about spending the money on something to give you an experience, it really reminded me of that. And to this day, I really get off on like the money I make, like spending it in really cool places. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, donating to indigenous funds that I really believe in and helping people with their land. But it's like, I, I have so much fun, like creating capacity, you know, for everyone and myself with, with money, instead of it being this thing that I either hoard or feel really guilty about and throw off. That's something that I did when I started making more money was I over, uh, <clears throat> so I was just giving it all away, you mm-hmm. know? Um, too. And it was because, it, and, but it, and even though it was, <clears throat> excuse me, even though it was like for a good cause and it was for, you know, it was completely reflexive because it was in response to all the years I couldn't give, mm. you know, and mm. feeling like, like I had to catch up. Mm. <laughs> I had to like give all the stuff that I didn't give, which, you know, and then I didn't have anything. <laughs> yeah. So it was finding that balance, you know, between, you know, I mean, when, in uh, like in the Vipassana, they were talking about Donna giving Donna, like, or where it's like not too much and not too little, you know, giving the 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 act of generosity being something that's really, you know, um, intentional. Mm. 
And so because of that, you know, and I talked with my husband who was like, why are you giving all the money away? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oh, I can just set up things every month, you know, for organizations that I like. And it doesn't have to be this like throwing yeah. it all in one month or, you know, taking yeah. care of myself as well. It's so fun. It's funny because I never talk about money. Like I talked about it when Bridget was on because like that's her work. Mm-hmm. But like, it's so funny that this topic, like we went to money, which I'm, I'm, I'm feeling is like the capacity piece is why we're there. It's like, it took us that way. Cause it's just another form of capacity and learning how to, right. to be with mm-hmm. your capacity. But I'm just thinking it's funny. I never, I never talk about this. So it's interesting um, to talk about it like this. And I mean, I'm kind of wondering, you know, cause we only have a little bit of time. I'm kind of wondering like, is there anything, you know, at one point Camille had a list of topics that we kept saying, let's talk about this next time we talk. And so I'm wondering, like, is there anything on that list we want to start like chipping away at or anything y'all want to bring up that's like kind of in your minds currently around somatics or trauma or even like a topic coming up through the collective that we're seeing with the course and such? I'm just curious. So, <laughs> so this was on the list and it's kind of related to money. Um, for those of you who don't know, Louise was a real estate agent at some point. <laughs> what? <laughs> Not your average real estate agent. I forgot that was on your list. It was. I thought you were going to say you forgot you were a real estate agent. <laughs> I have. I have forgotten. Like that, it was actually. that long ago. <laughs> was that one? I was that dissociated. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. That was quite a year. I re- so my whole, so from the age of 17 to the age of 27, so for 10 years, my focus was like, how can I work the least amount of time and pay my bills so I can just make art? Like, that's all I cared about. Like, I wanted to hang out with people, make art. And so like, hello, real estate. <laughs> Isn't that the most obvious? Isn't that where you two would go? <laughs> No, I probably would just be like be like a Colombian drug lord. Well, that that would have been much more profitable. Right. And so I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go into real estate. And and Eamon, who thinks like I think, we're like thought twins. She's like, Oh, I'll do that with you. So we both quit our jobs, went to real what? estate. Eamon was a real estate agent too. <laughs> both oh, oh my god. Oh my gosh. I cannot process my <laughs> Well, the best thing is we did not compromise ourselves at all. So like we were in this real estate. So, so we, we finally graduate. I will be totally honest here. I graduated because I cheated. I could not, <laughs> I could not pass the real estate exam to save my life because I was so bored and dissociated in class because I did not care. I just wanted to sell a house and make money. So I was like, I'm not going to learn about the laws. I'm not going to learn about the, I can't, I can't comprehend that. And so I, someone sent out a group, someone in the class sent out a group text with, or a group email with all, like, there's three different tests everyone gets that they're random. It's like an A, B, and C. So you never know which one you're going to get. So you have to read the whole book. So you pass it. They sent out A, B, C, all the answers. Somehow this person got this like cheat sheet. And so I like took a deep breath. I picked B, I memorized it. And B was the one I got. And I was like, oh my goddess and i quickly d- a b d c <laughs> it 
was one of the, what were those called? The scantrons? So I was like, I remembered like, you know, the form and like which one was A. I just went through it quick and I passed. I was like, I cannot believe I just passed from, che- I never cheated on anything in my life. And I'm like, here we go. And so I passed, Eamon passed because she read the book and she has a photographic memory. She was good. And so I passed, she passed, I passed after three tries. She passed after one. And then we're like, oh, we're real estate agents now. So imagine me, dreadlocks, sandals, uh, linen, baggy pants, you know, a, like little, little vests <laughs> sitting in, sitting in a real estate agent listing, you know, these like apartments all over Brooklyn and Manhattan. Now this huge 1980s Aerostar van, it's like these really long vans that seat 16 people or so. And I just drove around the city with all these people in my van, showing them like house after house after house. And it was so interesting because I I learned, I really learned the post-colonial culture through that. I learned the, the culture of domination, of competition, of lying, of desperation to make money. Like I remember going into a place that there was a hole in the wall, there were heroin needles in the refrigerator. And I was just supposed to smile and like sell it. And I didn't, I couldn't, but it was like, that's, that was part of the, the, that was part of the energy. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying all of you listening who are real estate agents, you go through this, but in the city at that time, that's what it was like. But I got so burnt out from that. I remember I was sitting at my kitchen table and I had a laptop. I had my iPad and I had my iPhone. They were all open. They were all on different screens and different emails of people. And I was like, whoa. I got to stop. So I gave my iPad away. I sold it on Craigslist. I gave my iPhone away, sold it on Craigslist, got rid of my internet. And I got really simple. I got a job at a macaroni and cheese shop. And Ooh. I just, <laughs> just like dream job. Why did you ever leave? <laughs> and she's wearing a hat that says lasagna right now. Just, uh, <laughs> for those of you that can't see. But it was this amazing moment of learning capacity. And that my joy came from my capacity, not through domination. So if I had so much, I mean, I made no money in real estate. I was a horrible real estate agent. But like, you know, the promise of money is what got me in there. <laughs> you can imagine I was really bad. So I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. So I got this job. I think it was $9 an hour under the table selling macaroni and cheese to people. Free mac and cheese all day. It was one block from my apartment. And they had vegan gluten-free mac and cheese. So I was like, okay. All my values align here. <laughs> I'm just gonna, or the whole kitchen was Latino. So I felt very at home. And it was just this settling of like, oh, I don't have to sell anything. People want mac and cheese. <laughs> They're coming in for them. It, right. And that feeling was so like, I'm never going to do anything out of my alignment ever again. Mm-hmm. At love that. Yes. All of that. Period. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about that the other day about job, like capacity with jobs. Like you oh, and I, oh yeah, yeah. And I were, and I was, I was saying, like, yeah, I, I think it just, it surprised, you know, my parents and probably other adults. You know, I could just leave jobs so easily if I, if, if it was just, and it was not ever like a two week notice, like, oh yeah, you know, it was just like, <laughs> oh, I'm done, you know, and I'd just be like, okay, bye, you know, mm-hmm. like it wasn't because I couldn't handle whatever was going on, you know. I yeah, think that's, you, you know, flight response, but no, I'm, I'm with you. I never gave it two weeks. notice. I'd be like, sorry, I have to go. 
And I always make up some like amazing reason. <laughs> I'll be taking this mac and cheese with me, but I have to leave. <laughs> After I get this mac and cheese, I'm out. But it, <laughs> but it was like, hold on, I just love my mind. The capacity piece, like what we, what I hear the most in the course and in the membership and like private clients is like, how do you honor your capacity in a world, like in a, in a country like ours in America, it's so capitalistic where you have to work so hard. There isn't a lot of surplus. We don't have money coming in anywhere. We don't have any assistance. So it's kind of like, I mean, that's why I was, I was at quote poverty level for so many years. I made that personal decision that I okay with that because I couldn't go beyond my capacity. No one should make that decision. It's up to them. Like, I'm not saying that's the way, but like, that's, that's what was good in me. I, I just couldn't push. And, and knowing you, Camille, like how, how did you get yourself in corporate for so long? Like, you're so not corporate (laughs) that is such the question of (laughs) it's funny now i will meet people and i'm like oh yeah i used to be a corporate america they're like what and i mean i'm only like six months removed Um, (laughs) they're like what i just can't picture this which is probably telling but i mean you know i just grew up talking about generational wisdom and generational trauma. I come from a a lineage of uh, Black people, Black people who lived through the Depression. So this idea of, well, if you can make it, if you can get a job with rich white people, you'll be happy. Mm -hmm. So that was the mindset I had my entire life. If I can get a job like rich white people, I'll be happy because um, my grandparents, they, they had to work all the time. They, they had to struggle because they were doing these, these menial jobs, but you'll be happy if you can have one of those pretty successful corporate executive jobs. Um, so, so I went that path and I, and I did it and there were, there were parts of it I, I liked, um, but I increasingly realized there were things I just didn't have the capacity for that got to the point where I was getting um feedback in my annual reviews um <laughs> you can't see i made it, i rolled my eyes but <laughs> one i didn't have capacity for annual reviews but I the feedback I, w- I would get is you know you do you do such really good you, you do really good work um you're really good at uh xyz um but you really got to know how to play the game more. You got to learn how to read between the lines. And I have no capacity for that. For context, I think it's just me personally, but I'm also autistic. I think that's a part of it. Um, And for any of you out there who watch Game of Thrones, like real talk, I'm Ned Stark, dead, first season. Like I don't play the game. I don't, I'm either (laughs) going to tell somebody the truth or I'm going to believe someone. And but but you said that, That, that's what you said. Why is that not the truth? Um, So to be, the reality is to be successful in corporate America, you have to play the game. It is that game of thrones. You have to read between, it is the politicking, the bureaucracy. And I have no capacity for that. I think there are lots of people who do. And like you were saying, this is an individual choice and we'll get that question in the membership. So am I supposed to leave my job? That's a question only you can answer. And I had to come to the realization, like, I I don't have the capacity for the bureaucracy, for the politicking, for the reading between the lines. I need to be in in a role in a team where direct communication is present. Um, And and so that's what helped me make that choice to leave. And so, but I do think I stayed in that situation so long because of that generational wisdom and trauma, that belief, well, I should be happy because I have a fancy job and I'm making consistent good money. And for a long time, I felt really guilty because I wasn't happy and I should have been happy. I so connect that, you know, Mm -hmm. because my Puerto Rican side of the family, same mentality. It Mm -hmm. was like, 
get a job where you work really well, where people pay you really well, work really hard. That's all that matters in this lifetime is that you secure yourself with money. That's Mm -hmm. all that matters, nothing else. And the idea of happiness wasn't even a discussion. Mm -hmm. It was almost like laughed at, like, oh, that's for someone else. Like we have to work. And I never aligned with that. So I felt so guilty every time. I dropped out of college twice. You know, I felt so guilty every time I was like, I don't have capacity for this game. Like this competitive thing isn't in me. I, I couldn't pretend that it made me happy either. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I think it's like, a, I think it's so beautiful when you have the capacity to walk away, you know, because sometimes you don't, like sometimes your livelihood, like you literally can't survive without your corporate job. Yeah. And if that's the case, like I feel for you. But when you have the capacity and you can walk away or you have the ego flexibility to say, well, I'm not going to be able to live the way I was living. and I'm actually okay with that because I prefer more peace. Mm-hmm. I just love that as an option. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and I got to that place too, where I was willing to make that trade off or like, okay, worst comes the worst. Cause I, ha- it helps me to imagine the worst case situation. And for me, the worst case is what, what if I can't pay my mortgage? Okay. So maybe we have to downsize. I'm willing to do that if I have more time. Cause I felt like I was, that was what I was losing. I was losing time as well. Like I was working 60 hours, 70 hours a week, and it just wasn't sustainable for myself, for who I wanted to be as a mother, as a wife. Um, and so if I was to downsize, okay, that's a trade-off I'm, I'm willing to make, to have that space, to have that time back. Well, I also feel this kind of like sense of pride mixed with excitement because like, HLN, I think you two have to be honest here. I feel like we're insanely direct with communication. Like, but tell me, like, what's your experience? I'm always like, did anything come up for you today? Like, if you're upset with me talking, there's something with money. Tell me, like, what's that like for you? I'm like, over (laughs) communicated. One of the most refreshing things, I mean, just so many refreshing things being here at HLN. But one of the things that stood out to me, like when we first started working together, there was... I mean, we'd already had a couple of conversations. Maybe it was our first time or, or a fourth or fifth time connecting. But, you know, we just got on the Zoom and um, you said, hey, how are you doing, Camille? And I said, fine. And you said, really? <laughs> well, actually, let me think about that. Um, <laughs> and it was just nice like to have it. Oh, you're genuinely asking me like how yeah. I am. And like I have the space to actually think about. Let's see. Um, mm-hmm. Like that. That's what I like. That's what I appreciate. Or um, like you said, we have really frank conversations like um, we can ask each other questions or we can say, eh, actually, that doesn't really sit well in my body or mm-hmm. I have some hesitancy here and I don't have to worry about playing the game. I don't have to worry about, well, if I tell Louise, I don't really like that. How is he going to internalize that? And is that going to impact my ability to be successful? No, it's just, mm-hmm. nope, I'm not really feeling that. Let me know what your, your thoughts are. That's what I really appreciate being in this space with both of you. Yeah, same. I think it's it, it was really helpful um, because I do a lot of fawning because I was in uh, customer service forever. Mm-hmm. And so the customer is always right. Now, I'm not saying that customers aren't right, but it was like you override so much of how you're feeling. And so, yes, now it's interesting. Same thing with me, Camille. Now, when people ask me how I am, I pause mm. because of Luis. Because it would be like, oh, how am I feeling? Like, you know, rather than just be like, yeah, good. Usually people go, well, I'm good, but you know, the world, (laughs) you know, which I totally get, but. uh, (laughs) It's so reflexive. It's not like an internal. 
Right, exactly. It's like, well, I'm doing okay, but I have to make sure that I, you know that I know that everything else in the world is not okay. (laughs) Yes, yes. No. Isn't that interesting? That needs to be a topic for next time, because I think that's, uh, you know, Eamon... That's one that comes up a lot. (laughs) That comes up a lot. One of my favorite things about being with Eamon and just knowing her as a person is she has these incredible ways of, like, breaking the matrix. And one of my favorite of hers is she'll go, let's say she's going to the grocery store, a corner store when we lived in the city, like wherever it is, and she's buying like pads because it's moon time. And she goes up to the counter, she buys the pads, they go, would you like a bag for this? She goes, no, I'm going to eat it in the car. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm telling you, out of the hundreds of times I have watched her say this, maybe one person laughed. Everyone else is like, okay, here you go. Like, they're not even, you know, it's like, it's like one of my favorite social experiments of hers. Oh my God. If I was that checker, I would be like, here's my number. We're going to be friends. That's why we love you. That's why you're in our life. That's the bug. That's Eamon's bug. That's Eamon's bug. bug. Oh, I love it. It's true. Because when I saw it, I'm like, oh, someone that witnesses this like fun, weird reality we call society and like the human experience. She's like trying to like play. And like bring people out of that like you know automatic reflexive even fawning strategy, mm-hmm. and so many people like they're just they're not seeing it. And like I feel for them obviously. Like I know what it's like to be exhausted by the four hundredth person to come through my register, and it's hysterical at the same time. There's something so funny about us when we're that reflexive that we don't even hear that that woman just said she's going to eat her pads on the way home. Like yeah. <laughs> that's like you know it's like a whole other level. So anyone listening who wants to try that, you know, like <laughs> tell us what happens. Let us know how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Please report back to us. The somatic engaging <laughs> yeah, that's store. Right. That's right. <laughs> so I mean this this was really fun and sweet. I'm so glad we got to introduce people to like the background, you know, of what they know so far. Mm-hmm. That's exciting for me. And uh yeah, we have a list. Camille has a list. I'm sure Marika has a list. I'm going to start making a list. Yeah. You don't have a look. Camille, Marika doesn't have, have a, a list. have a list of pastas I'm going to eat. <laughs> Marika. Marika's list of pastas. Well, you can bring one of those each time. You can tell us what pasta you eat. I'll just um, keep buying hats. That's per- Yeah, Marika has a hat that just says coffee on it. And every every week two, that's the hat. Because week two is where we talk about eliminating caffeine in the course. So Marika will put on her hat and I'll tell everyone to orient to Marika's screen and everyone has a good laugh. And, and the people that like are not letting go of coffee, they're like, I see you, Marika. Thank you for seeing no. me. <laughs> I'm like, this is in support me. of you and also That's in protest of. Of Luis and this whole thing, which I love. <laughs> I think it's great they have someone to attune to this, like, fuck this. Fuck Kale. Fuck Kale and fuck Kong. Yeah, exactly. I oh love my God. Um, <laughs> Okay, yeah, we're going to do more of these. So you'll hear from all of us soon. Uh, Camille, Marika, anything you want to leave us with? Questions or insights or goodbye or anything? I survived. She did. Oh, you survived. Do you want to tell people what you survived? Um, This podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm I'm working on it. This is practice. (laughs) Good for you. Marika has a little bit of stage anxiety, right? Mm Mm-hmm. no. Yes. Okay. Wait. Well, no. What was that? 
it's more like I was always like the person who wants attention, but then when you give it to me, I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> so I'm, I'm working on capacity okay. versus desire. Right capacity there. versus desire. Well, you did survive. We're going to do many more. So you'll survive those two. How about you, Camille? What do you want to leave us with? Um, just want to say uh, thank you. And I uh, can't wait to continue to have more um conversations and i anticipate some of them will get a little controversial and i look forward to it i hope so i hope so that's what i'm waiting for i'm into that (laughs) oh yeah this is a safe space for controversy that's what we need Mm -hmm. more of those (laughs) thank you both i mean you two i just have to say on the record so everyone's hearing it you two have completely changed my life like not just on the business side, like the capacity, that's great. You helped me run it smoothly. Like I could not do it without either of you. That's to- totally true. Yet as friends, like I think because you wanted to work with me because of the kind of work I do, it meant there was this really deep common bond. And so it's like, I feel like, oh, great. friends, friends of my culture, like it feels so good. So mm-hmm. I'm, I keep telling Marika, I think I told you, Camille, I'm like, Okay, if people keep signing up for this course once a year, we're going to have an HLN destination vacation weekend where we go somewhere for a week and we luxuriate and we have like one meeting just to justify it. <laughs> and then we just like, because I we didn't say this far, we're all in different parts of the country. Marie, yeah. in, in, wait, you're in, you're not in Seattle, you're in Washington. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right outside of Seattle. Right outside of Seattle. Camille, where are you again? Richmond, Virginia. Richmond, Virginia. Right. And I'm in upstate New York. So we're all over the place. I mean, we talk all the time and we work every week together. So I feel like we're neighbors, but uh, it'll be fun to actually be in space together at some point. And I'm fine with doing any podcasts from a vacation oriented <laughs> So that'll, that'll help me build capacity. Okay. Well, there we go. That's another good reason to plan that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, my loves. Thank you so much for being here. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My question for you is, where do you feel the episode? Take a breath and just notice. What's your body doing right now? Sit with it. Let it speak to you. And let whatever comes up, come up. And your only job is to listen. For all the wisdom you need is right inside of you. To learn more about my work, you can visit holisticlifenavigation.com and sign up for my mailing list. You'll receive a weekly newsletter with specific monthly topics, free resources, and upcoming events. You can also follow me on Instagram. If you like my podcast, please leave a review and share. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next time. Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give into mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving, as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences.
It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details, and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events, and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.